So on Thursday morning, I had a little bit of a weird experience. I walked into my garage, and it sort of felt off. You ever, you ever get that? You know, you, you, I, 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 just something feels off, you know? So I walked in the garage, and, and something was off, and, and then I realized it was the light. It was off. <laughs> it's just weird to me because, you know, I sort of expect when I walk into a room that the lights go on. Don't, don't you? I'm always trying to figure out what's normal. I thought that was normal. I, you know, I walk into my, I mean, especially my garage. I walk into my garage and I expect the light to come on, mostly because I have a motion detector on my garage door opener. And that light's supposed to come on when I walk in the room. Are you tracking with me at all? Anyway, my, there's a light bulb in, my, in the little machine that opens my garage door, and it's that old-fashioned kind, not the LED thing. It was the old-fashioned kind that actually has a filament in it, and the filament was broken. And the light only shines when the connection is whole. And connections are the light of life. We're in a journey together as a church where we're talking about the well-crafted life. We believe followers of Jesus get an invitation from him to live a well-crafted life. Some churches call it discipleship. Some, some people call it, you know, being a follower of Jesus. But it's really, it's a chance to live a well-crafted life. And he invites us into that. We believe there's at least five crafts that we can engage in together as a church and as families and as individuals that move us forward into this well-crafted life with Jesus. The five crafts include scripture and prayer, uh, generosity, service, and connection. And so from Christmas until about Easter, we're going to spend some time talking about each one of those five crafts. And so for the month of January, we're going to talk about connections together. Connection is the light of life, but the light only shines if the connection is whole. And so I want to talk about today, how do we get there with that? Because something gets in the way of that connection being whole. Something gets in the way of light shining in our lives and through our connections. There's a song in scripture. It's found in the very first chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter one. It's the easiest chapter to find, (laughs) right? So if you have your Bible with you, you can open up to page one and there you'll be, Genesis chapter one. If you don't have a Bible, you can use your smartphone. You can find the YouVersion app on your smartphone and you can follow along with us there through the events section. You'll find Lakeside Church listed as an event and uh, you can follow along with this. Let me read you a little bit, a little piece of the song of creation that is recorded in Genesis chapter 1. And then let's talk about this a little bit. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 says this. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. And let them rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals. And over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, many of you have heard that part of the song before. There's a very important word that is the central feature of that song, and it's the word image. God created us in his image. An image has been written about by theologians for thousands of years, literally. There have been thousands and thousands of books written on the idea that we are created in the image of God. And there's a lot of different ideas of what that might look like. But at least of all the other things that it could be, one of the things that is absolutely certain about being created in the image of God is that we were created as relational beings. 
God said, let us make man or mankind, humanity, in our image. It's relational. And so he creates us in his image so that we would be relational. And so the image of God is about connection. And how do we be in these relationships both with God and with other human beings? That's what the whole thing is all about. And that connection is so crucial to us that it shapes our soul. John Ortberg, in his book called Soul Keeping, wrote this. He said, when you are connected with God and other people in life, you have a healthy soul. When you're connected with God and with other people, you have a healthy soul. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that at least part of what you want? Man, I want a healthy soul. I don't want whatever that thing is in here that defines who I am or describes who I am. I don't want that thing broken down. I don't want it to be unhealthy. And part of health in our soul is to be connected to God and to, connected, to be connected to other human beings. And that's how God designed us. He, he said, I'm creating you in my image. That's beautiful. But there's a problem with it because there's an enemy to the image of God. There's an enemy to the connections that God wants to have with you and he wants you to have with others. The story of the enemy comes in Genesis chapter 3. So turn over a page or so. And come to Genesis chapter 3, and there's a story that many of you, again, are familiar with. It's a story of a serpent. You know this one? Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. <laughs> you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Well, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, Oh, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Let's stop with that. There's more that we could say, but let's just stop with that for now. There's a serpent in the garden. God says the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made, which is a little interesting because how crafty are wild animals? I, I, you know, and what does it mean that he's crafty in the first place? Does it mean that the serpent was a quilter? You know, does it, mean that the, does it mean that the serpent was a woodworker? You know, what does it mean that he was crafty? Well, literally, the Hebrew word that's used in that sentence, in that statement, is a word that means goal-oriented. The serpent was goal-oriented. He had a target. He had a mission that he was trying to accomplish. And his mission was to interrupt the connection between us and God and to interrupt the connection between us and one another. See, God created us in his image, and the whole goal of that was to have a connection with his people and to have his people be connected to one another. But the serpent had a goal, a craft that he was after, to break those connections. And so to accomplish his goal, he, he, he sets out on a conversation with the woman in the garden. 
And right off the bat, the woman kind of gets back on her heels and she's backpedaling a lot because she's very uncomfortable with the nature of this conversation with the serpent. The serpent starts off by questioning the creator. He says, did God really say that you can't eat? I mean, they were vegetarians, so like if you can't eat the fruit from the trees, you can't. Did God say you should just starve? Did God say you can't eat? She goes, no. God didn't say that. We can, we can eat from any tree we want. Just that God just said that, that one tree in the middle of the garden, you can't eat that one. Then she was really nervous, so she added a little bit to that. She goes, and we're not supposed to touch it or we'll die. And the serpent had a little giggle right about then because he goes, you won't, you won't certainly die. And literally the way he says this, it sounds very childish, but literally what he says is, well, you won't die, die. You know, you're not going to be all dead. You'll just be mostly dead. You know, if, you, know uh, you won't die, die. And so the woman looks at her like, well, if I'm not going to die, die, maybe it's not all that bad. And so she eats some of the fruit, and then she gives some to her husband who's with her, and he eats some of the fruit. And then their eyes are open, and they realize they're naked. When you come to that part, read, exposed. And they were afraid, and they were ashamed because they were exposed. And so they hid. And the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he accomplished his goal. He broke the connection. And the light only shines when the connection is whole. And he broke the connection so darkness enters into their relationships. Now they're disconnected from God and they're disconnected from one another. They're like, oh, we're naked and we're exposed. And so like, what are we going to do? And so they found some fig leaves and they sewed those together to make clothing. Didn't work. You should try it. Post the fix- pictures on Facebook. You, you should. Tr- no, don't. Because, because yes, because you know already, it doesn't work. Fig leaves make lousy clothing, but here they are trying to cover up, trying to hide from one another because they're exposed and they're ashamed. Now there's separation between them. Exactly the opposite of being created in the image of God. serpent achieved achieved his objective and he works on that objective every day of your life his objective is still to to keep you separated from god and to keep you separated from one another and every place it seems like you have a strong healthy connection he wants to come in and separate that connection break the connection shut down the light doesn't he I mean, some of you live in a household, yes? Right, you live with other people. Maybe, maybe you live with your family, or maybe it's an extended family, or maybe, uh, maybe you're roommates with somebody. But if, if you live in a house with more than just one person, you get exposed. I mean, maybe not like in a literal naked sense, may, you know, but I'm, you get exposed. Because one of the interesting things about life in a household is you cannot wear a mask there. You can't wear a mask in the family. Why? Because they already know. They already know you. See, when you live in a household, whether it's family or whether it's roommates or however the thing works, if you live in a household, you sometimes are at your very best. And when you're at your very best in your household, it's absolutely beautiful. 
the connections are good and everybody loves you. It's just fantastic. But if you live in a household, it is impossible to always live at your best. And so every now and then in your living situation, you live at a little bit less than your best. Don't you? Well, let's not talk about you. Let's talk about your roommate or your spouse or your children, whoever it is who's living. Let's talk about those guys because every now and then, sometimes they live really to a great standard and they are at their best. But every now and then, they live at something less than their best. Is that so? And so does their roommate. So does their spouse. A little bit less than their best. And what happens when you live your life at something less than your best and there's other people in the room? What happens? They get wounded. Isn't that what happens? You never meant it to go this direction, but somehow you're not at your best and you hurt somebody. And sometimes when you hurt them, it's just a little hurt. It's not a big one. You know, you know it's not. But sometimes you bring them almost to the edge of death. I mean, re- that's what it feels like. There's a great spectrum of hurt that goes on in our families and how we live. Because we don't always live to our best. And when you live at some place less than your best, you bring pain. And when you bring pain into the lives of the other people that you have connections with in that household, when you bring pain, what do they do to respond? What do, you, what do the others in the house do to respond? They practice what I call pain mitigation. And the most, the most basic form of pain mitigation, when, when, when someone else's imperfect life has landed on me, the most normal practice of pain mitigation is growling. We growl at one another. And, and your growl sounds different than somebody else's growl, but we growl. Because we've been wounded. And we don't want to be wounded again. And so to mitigate the pain, to hold off the pain, we've learned that if we just attack back a little bit, if we growl a little bit, they'll, they'll step back. But what happens when they step back? They feel pain too. And then what do they do? They growl. We got this thing going on where I hurt you and then you hurt me because you're trying to avoid the pain. And so the only way to figure out to do it is like to hurt somebody else back. And we just rush on a headlong spiral down to the lowest place we could possibly be in this relationship. Isn't that how it goes? And I know that's the worst case scenario. But you live in a household, sometimes you live out the worst case scenario. You don't always live the best case scenario. If you're in a marriage, you took this beautiful thing, you stood at an altar and said, this is going to be fantastic, you know, but for better or worse, I expect it to be better. It's going to be fantastic. And you, and you have this relationship and every now and then it's fantastic. But every now and then one of us doesn't live up to the high calling that we need to and we bring pain in and then the spiral begins and the connections get broken and the light goes out. And when that happens, the serpent has achieved his goal. Because he brought separation into your life. And it can happen between you and God. It can happen between you and your spouse. It can happen between you and your children. It can happen between you and your roommate. It happens. And it's not just at home. It's at work. It's at other places. 
It's just home is the hardest place to really effectively wear the mask. I mean, you can wear the mask at church, right? I mean, look down your row. How good does everybody look today? Except that one guy. No, it's just, no, it's kidding. I mean, everybody looks good. Why? You're like, I only have an hour. I just got to keep the mask up for an hour. If I can keep it up for an hour, we'll be good. Then we can leave. And everyone will think it's good. But you can't do that at home. Life lasts too long there. And we're just not that good at keeping it up at the highest level for that long. And so Satan, the serpent, accomplishes his goal, separation, disconnection, and the light goes out. Now, there's a lot of stuff we could talk about in Genesis chapter 3 about connections and relationships, but let me just jump down to the end of the story. In verse 21, there's a remarkable little statement. It says this, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. God looked at us and he said, I have to find ways to bring you back into connection. And if you feel exposed and if you feel vulnerable because of the things that have gone on in your life and in your relationships, I've got to find a way to bring you back together and to have connection again. And so the very first thing he did for human beings was sacrifice the life of an animal, took its skin, and said, here's real clothing for you. This is going to work better than those fig leaves you've been trying on. And here is where hope begins. When God looks into your life and he goes, I know you've got disconnection. I know you've got brokenness. Let me bring covering to you so that you can rebuild your connection. And everything God has done from the beginning in the garden all the way up until our lives today, everything God has done has been to work to rebuild your connection, to restore that connection with which was broken. He works to restore our connection, which was broken with him, and he works to restore our connection, which was broken with one another. Everything he does in this world is for that purpose, to overcome the damage that the serpent brought into our world. And you can go back to the cross of Christ. You go at climax with Jesus when he died on the cross and he rose again at climax there came to its fulfillment there, but everything God was doing all the way up to them was designed to rebuild our connection. And you can land on any scripture you want all the way through the Old Testament, all the way through the New Testament. You will find that those scriptures point to the fact that God is rebuilding connection because the light only shines when the connection is whole. So take a scripture. Take a scripture like like Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments. You, you know, you, do you know the Ten Commandments? Okay, you don't have to raise your hand. That was a yes or no question, you know, so I'll take that as a no. No, just kidding. Uh, so here are Ten Commandments, right? There are ten things, and we so often look at these, and we go, that's a list of what God doesn't want you to do. Don't do this, and don't do that, and don't do the other. They're not a list of what God doesn't want you to do. They are a story of, why, of how God is going to rebuild the connections in your life. And the first four commandments deal with our connection with God, and the last six commandments deal with our connections with one another. 
and it's quicker to understand what he's doing if you look at the last six. So let me just take those for you and just show you how those are all about building connection, restoring that connection which was broken. Commandment number five. Do you remember commandment number five? Parents, you should learn this one. You should teach it to your children. No, honor your father and mother. Thank you, says a young man who has no children yet. It's a good job. Hang in there with that. Honor your father and mother. Why? Because it's your very first connection. And if you will learn to give honor to that connection, it will help you learn to give honor to every other connection in your life. But if you decide to dishonor your first connection, it will destroy your capacity to build connection with others down the road. God's not just giving you a list of what not to do. He's saying, if you'll do this, this will build your connection so the light will shine. Commandment number six, don't murder. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Are people in my house? No, no. no. Uh, Why not? Because when you murder, you remove all capacity for connection with that person. Commandment number seven, don't commit adultery. Why not? Because when you commit adultery, you destroy the connection you have with your spouse or you destroy the connection you would have with your future spouse and you destroy the connection with the person that you're sleeping with and you destroy the connections with everybody who's related to that person in their life and in your life. You destroy those connections. And commandment number next, <laughs> eight. Thank you. Don't steal. Why not? Because there are cops in the room. No, no, no. <laughs> Don't steal. Why not? Because when you steal, you destroy value and you destroy someone's work and you destroy someone's personhood because they put energy into doing something with their life that helped them to acquire something and you destroy that when you destroy that you destroy that connection commandment number nine don't give false testimony to your neighbor why not because when you do you destroy truth and when you do that you destroy trust and then you destroy that connection And commandment number 10, don't covet. Why not? Because when you do, you will destroy your soul. God didn't give those commandments because he hates you. He didn't give you those commandments because he wants to put a burden on you. He gave you those commandments because he wants your connections to thrive. He wants our connections to thrive. And if you go back to the first four commandments, those are the ones that describe our connection with God. And then the same thing, he wants those commandments that connection to thrive. I growled at my wife this week. I know, I hate it, man. It's like, I I growled. It wasn't, you know, sometimes when you cause pain, you cause a lot of pain. Sometimes when you cause pain, you just cause a little bit of pain. This was was kind of on the little side. (laughs) All all the wives are like, -uh. (laughs) nuh-uh. It's never little, Bubba. I know. I actually do know that. But we were having a conversation, and I, and I got snippy at her. Just a, just a little snippiness. 
came out like growling. My wife called a foul. I should get her a whistle <laughs> so she can blow it and then go, foul! She called a foul. You know why? Because we've been at this marriage thing for 37 years and we are still learning not to let something come in and destroy our connection. We're still learning. I guess we'll be learning for the rest of our life. But she called foul and she put a stop to the breakage of the connection because she, know she knows that if the connection gets broken, the light won't shine. And she knows that there's a spiral waiting to happen in our households when one person causes pain and it creates a pain mitigation response on the part of the next person and so on and so on and so on. So she called foul and she said, no, we're not going down that road. I'm like, you're right, we're not. Because the connection matters to us. The connection that God builds into your relationships, he wants those connections to thrive. We're going to spend three weeks, three more weeks together talking about how do we help those connections thrive. I want to I give you some action steps to take for some of these things that might help you move toward restoring those connections. Number one is don't miss the next three weekends at church. I mean, I know you got, you, you got, your, you got your snowboard in the car. I, I, don't miss because we're going to talk about this. And these will be three of the most crucial talks you will hear all year long. Because these connections matter. We have to thrive in these. Uh, number two, maybe it's time for you to join a grow group. We go, I'm going to get connected in a grow group where I'm going to be there. We've got women's and men's and couples, and we've got mixed uh, groups. We've got various kinds of groups for you, for you to be involved in where you can build connections and you can share with one another what you're learning about building connections. In two weeks, we're going to have an expo out in the lobby. We're just going to kind of unveil some of our grow groups. You might want to spend the next week or two just thinking about and praying about, God, do you want me to get involved in a grow group? Maybe... That's the next step for you, to build connection. For some of you, maybe your connection step would be to join our Backyard Begin. It's just a one-evening session in one of our pastor's homes. I'm going to host one uh, in, late in January. I'm, I'm just going to tell you right up front, mine's not going to be in the backyard because it's freezing out there right now. It's going to be in my great room, and the fire's going to be lit. It's going to be beautiful. But I'd love to have you come, especially if you're new to faith in Christ and you're new to this whole journey of, with God and what he's like and what he wants for us. Come and join us for one of those Backyard Begins so we can talk about how do you begin in faith and how do you grow up in faith. We're going to talk about baptism and what does that look like in terms of building that connection with God. And maybe that's a place for you to get started. There's a lot of ways to get started. We'll talk about more of them over the next three weekends. But know this, that God wants your connection with him and with one another to thrive. That's where the light goes on. Jesus, I pray for us today. I'm so grateful to you for who you are and what you're doing in us and among us. Lord, I pray for my friends here in the room and for those who listen on the podcast later. I just pray for us that you would do your work in us. Overcome the work of the serpent. Overcome the work of brokenness that we allow in so often. Give us wholeness. Rebuild our connection. Let your light shine in us and through us.
Lord, thank you. We love you. Amen.